Welcome to Hardwood Group Chat, a new podcast where we replace those NBA iMessage rants with actual conversation. This is our third episode. I'm your host, Karno Sarkar, along with my best friends, Moino Gungopade and Neil Bhattacharya. How are you guys? I mean, I, I see, I feel like the past two weeks we've been doing great. Admittedly, the three of us are all hungover right now. So <laughs> testing, testing, uh, you know, our, our endurance, but excited for round three. I would like to give a special shout out to the Purdue Boilermakers for keeping the Big Ten interesting also. Uh, I deserve that. One. <laughs> I deserve that one. So, yep. Sparty loss. Hey, did Alabama win yesterday? Yeah. Barely. Barely. Oh, yeah. Roll Tide. <laughs> roll Tide. <laughs> Cam lied. Tebow cried. And roll Tide. <laughs> Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of good action in sports this past weekend. We had, um, Canelo, uh, unifying the welterweight championship over, um, whatever his last name, Caleb Plant, I think. Yeah. Dude, Neil, Neil was wilding yesterday on the, uh, on the fight on, uh, the UFC fight yesterday. I was, uh, yelling at the TV because I hate Covington with a passion. Colby Covington, uh, Mr. MAGA himself, Colby Covington lost <laughs> yet again to Kamaru Ruthman in UFC. So um, I actually had that thing. I, I don't know if you guys remember where I used to tweet at Colby Covington like every day for like yeah. two weeks straight where I was like, yo, Colby Covington, come at me. You suck. Come at me. Well, uh, he got worked, so I'm happy. Yeah. yeah thank you, Kamaru. I really appreciate it. God, I hate that guy. He's so bad. Um, but yeah, um, great action in the UFC. And also, um, you know, basketball season's continuing. We are week three. Um, we had a lot of cool things and a lot of um, new interesting developments. So the um, three topics we're going to cover today are the first one is uh, Robert Sarver and the allegations of uh, misconduct, misogyny, and racism uh, within the Phoenix Suns organization. We'll follow that up with a discussion on who is the superior conference right now. Is it the Eastern Conference or the West? Historically, the West has been dominant, but um, I think the tides have turned. Finally, we'll wrap up with a conversation and probably a debate on who are the best big men in the NBA right now. So a lot to get through. Uh, but first, let's cover the updates and the uh, current standings in the league. So, Neil, I'll hand it off to you. Great. So the Atlantic uh, division, we have Philly out on top, playing great basketball, eight and two. Um, Brooklyn's right behind them at seven and three and the Knicks obviously are behind them and the Raptors sleeper of the division. I thoroughly impressed with them. Um, they are fourth in the Atlanta division and, um, the Celtics are at the bottom. And I think there's a little bit of drama there too, because Marcus smart, rightfully so, uh, called out Tatum and, and Jalen Brown saying, Hey, like all the other teams, their game plan is to make you guys pass. And if you, all you're going to do is just try and score and not pass, we're not going to improve as a team. And he's probably right. He's a pretty smart guy, um, plays great basketball, and he's, he's usually right about these things. So hopefully they can do something about the, uh, the play within themselves there. But, um, yeah, Philly looks great. I think they have, they have seven players averaging double digits, uh, which is clearly why they're eight and two. And at the top of the division, but yeah, Atlantic uh, seems well so far. Man, we've been giving so much shade to, to Philly on this podcast. I feel like they're the one team that we'll, we've just been shitting on primarily because of Ben Simmons, but pretty impressive that they're the best team in the East right now. And I, I you know, I think it's a matter of, of their depth, but I don't know, like I, I haven't seen their games. I saw they won against the Bulls yesterday, which is a pretty 
Yeah. Uh, very substantial. It's a good win. And beat hit a three to seal it. I'll say this, the Pistons actually, uh, the Pistons played um, the 76ers and it was actually a pretty close game. Um, I think it uh, was down to the wire all the way to the last couple of minutes. Um, but I, I'm still going to, you know, that's me. I'm just, I'm still going to hit shit on Philly. I mean, the top team in the East last year was Philly. The top team in the West last year was the Utah Jazz. And what happens to them in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows what happens. They, uh, they are not playoff teams. I don't think uh, they can handle the big moments. I think uh, Joel Embiid is still turning the, the ball over a little too often. Andre Drummond is a king of unclutchness, and he tries to do too much late in the game. Uh, I do like Danny Green. I do like uh, some of those other players, but – I'm not sold on Philly yet. So that eight and two means nothing to me until the playoffs. They can be the top seed. I don't care. Um, but yeah, you mentioned that the Philadelphia 76ers did beat the Bulls. The Bulls, uh, you know, they started off at quite high. Uh, they were doing, uh, they were undefeated for a while, but, uh, you know, they've cooled off after a while. They've had two straight losses against Philadelphia. Uh, and, you know, for having the, the combination of DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Lonzo Ball, and Alex Caruso in there. Uh, they're not – their offense is still – it's in the top ten, but it's the ninth most efficient team. And I would expect them to be in the top five if they're, if they're trying to bring all that talent. Yeah, so a little cause for concern there. Yeah, a um, lot, lot to unpack here in, uh, in the Atlantic, but I think maybe we should start at uh, Boston because that's where the drama – is really residing um, in terms of what Marcus Smart said uh, and, and in terms of just this team being in disarray. It's a bunch of guys who just don't mesh well together. And we've touched on this before. And um, I was talking to Neil about this, but you know who is the second highest paid player on the Celtics right now? This is hilarious. Uh, Robert Williams. No, 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 no. He is. He's a, he's a, he's a good, yeah. good value player for sure. Um, but this guy is making $27.5 million this year. It's not Marcus Smart, is it? No. no. Dude, it's Al Horford. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that trade. <laughs> oh, yeah. Al Horford's yeah. old ass is, is going back, and up, back up and down the court, making $27.5 million. But uh, it's, it's just such a weird assortment of, of players on that team. Mm-hmm. And I think – you know, when you think about where, where they might be at the end of the season, this team could very well be a lottery team this year. Do they have a lottery pick? Didn't they trade the first round? I can't remember, but uh, I, remember. I don't know. But what I'm saying is they're a bottom half team yeah. this year. It's, it's, you know, it's just not great basketball in terms of how do you let Jalen Brown and, and, and Jason Tatum just ISO all the time um and they just need to move the ball around and work it into a more of a brad stevens system um which you know they just haven't been able to figure out that's a big loss on the court honestly brad stevens yeah great coach and they well well the new the new coach is unproven but i mean brad stevens is what he's the gm now GM. so definitely still influential yeah in the organization it's different when you're on the court and you're like he's not calling plays anymore ime udoka who is their coach right now ime udoka sorry uh, Ime Udoka is like a defensive specialist. Uh, I mean, he's coached a lot of the, I think the um, Toronto Raptors, um, I think uh, Houston for a little bit. Um, he was around in Brooklyn. He was in Brooklyn last year, uh, helping their defense um, to at least, you know, be competitive. Uh, but he's a defensive guy. I don't know how he's, um, how good he is offensively. And I don't know what uh, people they have in the coaching staff to help him um, to, you know, run sets because at least when, um, you know, 
Tatum and Smart, uh, Tatum and um, sorry, Brown were there last year with Brad Stevens. You know, other people did get involved ish. Well, they Robert Williams had something. Uh, they had uh, what's that guy's name? Oh boy. Um, you know, they have a lot of depth there. Um, yeah. Wow, well, I'm blanking on someone. Their first round pick last year, but he was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, um, they just need to. You know, you know, what I like Jeff. Kinda, you know what I thought was kind of sus. Apparently, uh, Jason Tatum was like doing that thing where he's caught. You know, they cover their mouth with their jersey at the end of the yeah. game to to talk to other players so the media doesn't hear it. Yeah. He was doing that with Bradley Beal, and people are basically saying, "Oh my God, he's he's trying to flirt with Bradley Beal to come to get him on the Celtics." And it's just like, dude, the Celtics already have a lot of talent. Like, yeah. you should be able to win with this team. Like, what are you complaining about? The crazy thing is like that Brad. Bradley Beal to the Celtics rumor has been alive for so long because uh, yeah. Bradley Beal is a St. Louis boy, just like uh, Jason Tatum. So uh, yeah. they have a huge, they have a connection there. And th- if you look at it at an eye test, they, they can't, it doesn't look like they could play together because they're both ball dominant scorers. Um, but they, 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 there's a connection there. And the NBA is weird because all these, you know, personal connections and friends. Um, yeah. The AAU, the AAU relationship from middle AAU school. Yep. And, the, uh, you know, LeBron James, thanks for that. You, you really <laughs> fucked us with that one, but all I got to say there. Uh, anyway, moving back to uh, the Central, I'll quickly cover. Um, so Bulls, efficient team, but, um, you know, not, not what we expected. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a, uh, a surprise. They are right now second in that, uh, in that division. They had three-game win streak against uh, the Knicks, Raptors, and Blazers, and uh, they are looking good. Uh, Evan Mobley. Big pickup, Jared Allen. Mm-hmm. I, you didn't think I didn't think that twin tower setup of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley in the interior would work, but it's working. Uh, Darius Gar- Garland is you know facilitating, um, and Colin Sexton is not getting in people's ways. He's actually like you know passing the ball sometimes, working yeah, off Colin for that. Sexton's a lunatic. <laughs> he is. I mean, that guy, his crazy eyes scare even me. Um, and I, yeah. So the Cavs are looking good. Um, kind of unfortunate because. Ohio teams should always suck, but it is what it is. Uh, Milwaukee, surprisingly not looking great. They had three straight losses versus the West, and they just had a win against the Pistons, a dominant win against the Pistons, but again, it's the Pistons uh, in the last week. So, um, you know, a little cause for concern there. Uh, they're four and five. Uh, there are some injury issues, so um, this the bottom's not falling out yet, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how things go. I mean, Grayson Allen's day-to-day, Brooke Lopez is out, Chris Middleton's out, and Dante DiVincenzo, when he comes back, then that will be a team. Uh, but um, on the positive side, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo is still looking like he's going to have a, a crazy uh, MVP year. Yeah. The last two teams I'm not going to cover too heavily because not, not much has changed. Indiana, 3-7. and seven, They're looking good for a little bit. Uh, Chris Duarte's you know, uh, he's, I, I think he should be in the discussion for rookie of the year, um, just based off three weeks. Uh, but you know, that team just needs to gel and, you know, I, they have a new coach this year, um, Rick Carlisle, I think Rick Carlisle, he'll write that ship, but, um, we'll, we'll see. And the Detroit Pistons are, they're playing really good defense. Detroit is playing hey, fantastic we, defense. We held, we held the Nets to 96 points. I yeah. think. And it's, it, it's been close games. I mean, the Nets, uh, it was 96-90, uh, 76ers, 109-98, pretty close. Bucks, they blew us out. I already covered that. Uh, I like but, how Cade is, I mean, he's increasing his points, but he's, his offense is not efficient right now. I mean, he is shooting at a terrible percentage. It's not just him. I think the Pistons collectively are shooting 
miserable. Yeah. I think there was a stat they were shooting like 21% from the field at, one, at some point in the game. Um, they, they have the shots. It's just not – it's not going in. I want, uh, I want to just to keep improving because I'm sick and tired of seeing Jalen Green high dunking highlights all over my Instagram feed. That team will get to them, but that team is also in the same um, – you know, they have the same standing. So Jalen Green will be a flashy – how long until Dwayne Casey gets fired? He's not getting fired. No, we won't fire him. He's not getting fired, no. If we're going to keep Dan Campbell as the coach of the Detroit Lions, then we're going <laughs> to All right. We, we, Dwayne Casey is smart. Dan Campbell's a lunatic, but Detroit will not get rid of him. Um, so Dwayne Casey's here to stay. He's a good coach. I think he's just, um, you know, he has a lot of young talent. It's a whole new team. Um, so the shots will fall. They're, there's open shots. They're just not falling. So um, it's going to happen. I think the Bulls are easily the most compelling team in the Central. Um, they're fun to watch. They have playmakers. You know, they the, their main thing is going to be how well that they can defend. It's like how engaged does Vucevic want to be? How engaged does DeRozan? DeRozan's like a middle-of-the-road defender. You know, he's not necessarily a two-way player. Um, Levine, like Lonzo is really – Lonzo and Caruso are great on the perimeter, but like really dependent upon like how, how engaged they are on the defensive end. The thing that actually interests me is Lonzo Ball is, you know, I would think he would be one of the, the, the big three there. But it seems like Lonzo Ball is not in that conversation of big three. It's Levine, uh, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. And then Caruso is actually being a little more um, <laughs> coming in the clutch than Lonzo Ball. I'm a little concerned. I'm like, all right, is Lonzo Ball fitting? Uh, it's working. I mean, he's leading the team in assists, but he only has, um, you know, I'm looking at his stats right now, 35 minutes per game, only 12 points. Uh, 4.6 assists um, and averaging almost three turnovers. So it's almost a one for one turnover to assist ratio, a little, a little more. Um, he's but. not a big ego kind of player. He's very much, I think he, he'll just do whatever it takes. Uh, yeah. So but like, for that kind of money, it feels like, all right, if I'm looking at this money ball strip way, yeah. like per dollar, how much value am I getting for Lonzo? And I feel like it's not there. I think like, uh, Alex Caruso might be the poor guy worn there. And Lonzo might be point guard too. Uh, just in terms of Alex Caruso seems a lot more dominant. He, he wants to like, you know, lead and he wants to be a part of that offense. Whereas Lonzo kind of, he's okay taking the sideline, which is good, but it's not, it's not the killer instinct that's going to lead you to a championship. On a side note, didn't we run this math before? And, and what, what, what do we, what was the result of who's the best bang for your buck player? What, what do we say? I, I can't remember. Uh, Neil, you ran it. I ran it. I have a, I have a, I have a code written. I got to run it on my computer. Yeah, yeah. Next time, uh, bring it, bring it along, and we can talk about that. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, uh, what's going on in the South? All right. So yeah, in the South, you got a lot. Like the Heat are are playing great basketball. Things are clicking. I mean, yeah, they had a pretty bad loss um, to the Celtics, but this team is like a well-oiled machine right now in terms of their their playmaking, their 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 defensive commitment. Um, I think I, I honestly think that they're going to be in the conference finals come uh, come May uh, this year, and and I think they're a serious contender. But uh, we can we can get to that more. I have more conviction than last week. Yeah, in, in my uh, in, in in just watching it, like Tyler Hero is just balling out. They beat the Jazz yesterday. That's like your kind of East versus West matchup right there. Um, probably not the early preview of what, you know, the finals would look like because I don't think the Jazz are going to get there, but I think the Heat look great. Um, moving on to uh, Washington. They're, they're, they're Before we get there, 
before they beat the Jazz, who did they lose to the week, the game before? The Celtics. Mm-hmm. That's it's fine. These, these these things happen, but I think I honestly think that they're they're built really well. Um, so it's it's Kyle Lowry's pace actually. Like no matter how old he is and how much we've made fun of him over the years, like he's actually a pretty fundamental player um, for 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 their offense to to run. Kyle Lowry's theme song right there. Yeah, yeah. dude, he's he's a boxing out boxing out master um okay so charlotte um best game that most entertaining game that i watched this week was probably the charlotte um warriors game that was nationally televised so that was actually my first time seeing Lamelo play uh on national tv so that was a pretty pretty interesting game like a lot of talent on on charlotte in terms of miles bridges progression um it's cool to see jordan Poole shoot the ball lights out Mm-hmm. against uh against charlotte that 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 game but just a good display of young talent um on national tv uh, shout out in that game shout out to uh gary payton's son gary payton jr for yeah. a posterizing he dunk yeah, uh, yeah. he is putting people on posters left and right it's yeah <laughs> that that's so that's so interesting right where you think like the the, fa- the father has like the uh the uh point guard defensive mindset now you you have a son who's like a forward who's just yamming (laughs) in the in the nba um interesting dynamic there but uh fourth place you got you got the hawks i think the hawks are um interesting they they played against the nets last week and that was a good game the nets pulled away towards the end um but the hawks have a ton of depth in terms of some of these names like bogdanovich you got John Collins. The John Collins Trey Young pick and roll game is actually a very nice offensive weapon, just because John Collins is more nimble. He's athletic. You know he can he can go up strong or shoot the three. Um, Danilo Gallinari, Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter is a great player, by the way. He I is. love I love his game. He's, he's also very tall, which helps. Yeah, he's uh, um, DeAndre Hunter. You got Lou Williams, Cam Reddish. They have a ton of players who can command you know 30 minutes a game on other teams um and i I just think you know it's one of those things where you got to get the permutation right in terms of like who's going to give you the best shot to win what the plus minus would look like um but i i don't see why why they can't you know why they haven't been more dominant this season they're they're below 500 right now and then to round things out orlando magic literally nothing to say there (laughs) let's let's move to the west Unless you uh, have anything you want to touch on. Yeah, before we uh, before we move to the West, I just want to quickly touch on Washington, uh, a team that, um, you know, they are 6-3, and three, still pretty good. But um, I don't know. Is Bradley Beal going to be there? Well, I, I, you, I mean, they brought in a bunch of role players to, you know, supplement him. But I, I just don't see like, – that team's 6-3 and three right now, but I just don't see that, like, la- lasting – I think uh, it's a team that's kind of like the um, the Pelicans of a couple of years ago, where they had just a bunch of role players and um, Brandon Ingram, and then that kind of blew up with Lonzo leaving. I just don't think, uh, you know, that Bradley Beal by trade deadline, I think he's gonna be gone. <laughs> so yesterday, yesterday when we were at the bar, speaking of Washington, mm-hmm. there was like a solid five minutes where we were convinced that. Spencer Dinwiddie was like on the other side of the table <laughs> and, and we were like, uh, like, is he, is he, you know, is he back in Boston? Is he back in Brooklyn or, or, you know, or is, are the Knicks 
playing the, you know, the Wizards. Convinced it was him for a second, but I, I don't think it was. He was in there in Milwaukee yesterday, allegedly. Um, anyway, uh, so on the West, um, we have the Utah Jazz still, still in number one. Nuggets um, playing good basketball. Honestly, I haven't seen much of Jokic's game, but he still looks like he hasn't lost a step from last season. Um, so nothing. Uh, no big developments here, but but the Trailblazers are back to being 500. Timberwolves are three and five now. Uh, OKC two and six. The only two wins that they have are against the Lakers. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so God! Yeah, that's uh, that's funny. I actually I was watching the highlights of that game. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander hit that uh, shot from yeah. the logo to, to ice the Lakers, and they came back from I think like 19 points down yep. or uh-huh. something. But uh, those guys, like, whenever they play the Lakers, they're like, yeah, yeah we want to beat this team. But during the rest of the season, they're just complete ass. So doesn't help that Ross, I think, is secretly rooting for OKC to win those games because he just decides to bottle it at the last seconds of those games. Okay, <laughs> I'll get to that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other any other notable games that you guys have from the Northwest? Because uh, I think I think we can continue moving. I, uh, I did say um, I saw that the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, a team that's, you know, you think would be good. They have Cat, they have D'Angelo Russell, they have uh, the aunt, Anthony Edwards. They lost to the Clippers, who are not very good. They lost to the Magic, who are not very good. And they proceeded to beat the Bucks. So I don't, yeah. that identity of that team is crazy. Your team. Yeah. You know what the issue is? It's because, uh, dude, Cat takes the third most, he, he's number three in terms of shot attempts on that team. Like, what does that tell you about their offense? Like, Cat is number three. Like what? <laughs> um, and then I don't know about D'Angelo Russell, like how he's playing, but that that squad is not looking great. Yeah, D'Angelo Russell, I'm looking at his stats. He gets uh, three turnovers a game for four every four assists. Not great stats. 14 yeah. points in 28 minutes. I mean, if you're going to be, you know, icing your veins, D'Angelo Russell, um, it should be higher. And then Anthony Edwards, you know, he's still pretty good. Um, he does have uh, three turnovers as well, but you know, three turnovers, 23 points, uh, almost five re- or six rebounds. He's good. He's good. He's going to be great. Don't Carl Anthony Towns. Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Patrick Beverly is, you know, that's God right there. Patrick <laughs> Beverly is, he's going to lead that team to something, or he's going to bust his ass, get out of there and go to the Pistons and lead us to victory. Oh, but, God, I hate that. Uh, Patrick Beverly does not deserve that. That cat cat is so lackadaisical on defense that like Patrick Beverly does not deserve that um anyway yeah that's all i had to say on that minnesota team is it's let's see what that factors in in our uh big man discussion later yeah. today oh he's if we're gonna yeah i'll, I'll say this cat is not in my top five big men he's not even in my top 10 big men so well, uh, we'll I'll, but yeah moving to um Pacific. sorry actually neil sorry yeah um warriors rounded out the top at seven and one i don't think there's any surprises there they're playing great basketball uh gary payton the second is trying to posterize everybody in the league, um, which I'm grateful to defenders that actually try and don't make a business decision and just let them get an easy dunk. More entertainment for us. Uh, I'm happy about it. Um, Phoenix rounds out at second. They're five and three, playing good basketball. I think they had a few injuries, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll be fine. The Kings at third at five and four. Uh, I saw, I, I think... Was it Harrison Barnes had a crazy game winner a few weeks ago or last week, maybe? 
Uh, I don't remember who it was against. He did. Yeah. He's actually kind of clutch. Yeah, he is. He, he's, I feel like he's done that a lot in his career. He has. Um, we got the Lakers at five and five. Um, Russell Westbrook is an abomination. <laughs> hey, hey, put some respect <clears throat> on Russ's name. Brody's great. I, I think at the end of the game when they were playing the Thunder, 21 seconds left, down by two, goes straight to the rim and throws the ball basically in the stands. <laughs> it was one of the worst, lowest IQ plays I've ever seen a superstar make. It was, it was horrible. Let me tell you, basketball. let me defend Russ on this. Russ, for 46 minutes in a game, is a phenomenal top five player in the league for 46 minutes. You just have to realize that you have him for 46 minutes. The last two, you know, just bench him. It's okay. He'll, he'll figure it out. Just bench him. Another thing. Um, they had a chance to tie the game. Why is Russ taking a three-point shot? He's a terrible three-point shooter. Carmelo just hit three straight. Give him the ball. Was that Again. a set play or was that off of a rebound? No, I think they had a set play and Russ just went rogue. Oh, no, it was God. basically like they passed it in. He dribbled up. Like, didn't even, like, uh, like do any, like, uh, you know, um, crossovers or anything. He just dribbled up straight to the corner. The corner, not, like, you yeah. know, the 45-degree corner of the, um, like, the wing part of the yeah. three-point line. The lowest yeah. percentage place to make it. And he just bricks the it. Brick, yeah. Oh, my God. I think he actually airballed it. Didn't even brick it. No, no, he bricked it. He bricked it. Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm saying. 46 minutes. Russ is phenomenal. Just that's the coach's fault. That is on Frank Vogel to not take Russ out in the last two minutes and just, you know, give it to someone else. Crazy game last year where uh remember Bradley Beal and him just like kept hitting three-pointers to like keep them alive. And it was actually Russ, I think, that hit the yeah, he did. He he actually hit a pretty amazing three last year, but was again yeah. it was against the Hawks, right? Yeah, yeah so it was against like the Hawks. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, bottom of this division are the Clippers. They are hurting obviously without Kawhi, but Paul George is balling. Can't can't put it on them. He's playing really well. Regular, regular season king. You know what they could use? They could use some Patrick Beverly to you know give them some <laughs> defensive intensity. Just saying. Good. Just saying. Oh, come on, what are you talking about? They have Luke Kennard, Detroit Pride. Yeah, yeah, but my two K Pride and Patrick Beverly is. <laughs> So yeah, Patrick Beverly is my is my uh, secret weapon to kick Neil's ass in 2K all the time. Like I always got to give him some love. Anyway, moving to uh, the Southwest, I'm going to give you an interesting statistic statistic on the Southwest. So there are the five teams: you have Dallas Mavericks, Memphis Grizzlies, San Antonio Spurs, Houston Rockets, and the Pelicans. Out of those five teams, four teams average less points per game than their opponent. So Dallas Mavericks. They actually average 102 points per game, and their opponents average 106. Yet they're six and three, as Denver <laughs> top in third place. Oh my God! That so is... so they just win their games by really low margins. Yes, and they lose their games by huge margins, and they get blown out. As we saw, Luca just had a crazy game winner yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah, um, they, it's it it seems like weird because you think like, all right, if you're and they're the three seed right now in the West. You think like, all right, if you're a three seed in the West, then you should you should score more than your opponent, right? Uh, but yeah, their opponents average 106 points per game. The second team, the Memphis Grizzlies, young team, like them a lot. Um, Xavier Tillman and Jaron Jackson Jr. looking good in uh, in the inside, and you know you got John Morant, who's he's really fantastic, really really fantastic. Uh, but that team, their opponents average 113 points per game, whereas they average 108 but they're five and four and the number five is even the West. This is where it gets interesting. The San Antonio Spurs are three and six and, you know, 
they're not great, but they average 108.9 points per game and their opponents average 107.9 points per game. <laughs> they on average win their games. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Greg Popovich has this team statistically winning, but losing in real life. <laughs> uh, you know, it is a very interesting statistic there. Uh, Houston Rockets, one and eight. Um, you know, they, they get blown out 103 points per game to 108, 110 points per game that their opponents make. Uh, and then they're, they're on a seven game losing streak. So, you know, take that Jalen Green. I can't lead your team to victory. Suck on it. Um, and then the Pelicans are just a shit show right now with uh, 101 points per game too. And they're giving up 112.7. Um, so I saw, I saw the most savage thing this morning. Um, it was basically Charles Barkley. Uh, they're showing footage of Zion. This, this is my weekly Zion tidbit because I usually tend to do this. Um, I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> you're talking about. So Charles Barkley, he sees, you know, they're showing footage of uh, Zion just like working out the foot, you know, also, they're actually bringing him back really quickly. Like, apparently, what happened to him is the exact same thing that happened to Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and they're trying to make Zion play as fast as possible. Um, scary. Anyways, uh, Charles Barkley takes a look at Zion. You know, his, like, body is, like, taking up half the paint as he, like, <laughs> shuffles from one area to the next uh, other side of the court. And he goes, like, hey, you're looking like Shaq's son right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> – that, that, that's so funny that people are laughing about his weight. Cause like, I, I don't know what his dietitians, what his nutritionists, what his teammates are telling him, but like the dude's got to shed weight. Like he's not, you can't move right now. So like, is he just, what is he doing? Like Wait. he's not gonna be able to move properly when, once he gets back to full, full, you know, when he gets back to hundred percent. Yeah. Um, did he say, uh, did Charles Barkley say, um, yo, that looks like Shaq's baby. Or did it say that did, that looks like Shaq and me made a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he said Shaq and what? Shaq, Shaq and, and I made a baby. Oh, that's yeah. fine. And then Shaq proceeded to walk off the, off the, yeah. Off the uh, set. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that 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 team definitely needs him back. But Zion's got it. I mean, we'll see. I can't. We can talk all this shit right now, but like, watch him come back and just yeah, hasn't sure. lost a step. You know. I think if, if he can move, if he can be nimble in the paint, even though like we, we don't know what he's in game action, he's still going to be dominant. I mean, he's always looked like a gump. He's always looked gumpy. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think it's kind of added to his injury problems because, you know, if you are out of shape and, you know, you get rocked. Right. It's going to be hard to come back to. Um, but, yeah, Zion, um, he's always proven us wrong. He's always proven us wrong oh. in terms of how, he, how effective he is. But, um, it's, uh, it's insane. But yeah, that's um, how the week looked for the NBA. It was, um, you know, some interesting developments and, um, you know, surrounding all these stat leaders, interesting statistics, um, interesting results of games with, uh, you know, uh, Milwaukee struggling, the 76ers going in, the Utah Jazz still being good, and Golden State Warriors kind of dominating for not having their best player. Uh, but there were some developments in the league um, re- regarding some executives. And so Moynak, uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, I was reading the story, but there's uh, an article um, written by ESPN by Baxter Holmes, uh, which details Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, and the, uh, you know, the misogynistic and racial, um, you know, racist uh, culture that he permeated through the organization over the last 17 years. Um, and the, the article went through, I think, 70 interviews between former players and coaches and staff and other personnel throughout the Phoenix Suns organization who all corroborate 
the story about some of the language and, and things that Sarver would say, which was just incredibly demeaning, racist, and something that the NBA shouldn't stand for. Um, so in particular, uh, I don't know if you guys, if you guys read the story, but he had repeatedly used the N word and has denied saying it. Um, the weird part is the president of the, of the son's organization has backed him up and said that I know his professionalism and he would never do something like that. But I think a lot of the argument has actually been with, uh, the former Suns coach, um, Watson, uh, Earl Watson. Earl Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, they did not have a good working relationship. Um, he definitely called him out on his use of, of the word of the, of the, uh, of the N word actually. And he, he got threat. Uh, Robert Sarver threatened to fire him, um, multiple times. Uh, the other part, part, you know, that was really concerning was that he would like show pictures of his wife around the organization, um, just super misogynistic uh, uh, with female staff members. Um, and, and, you know, just not a guy that the, that the NBA would, uh, would want representing, um, you know, the Phoenix Suns franchise. So, you know, that takes us to uh, a conversation just about these owners, because you immediately start thinking about Donald Sterling and how fast they, they kicked him out and how fast the players protested um, just from that video that, that went viral. But this is something that's been running for 17 years uh, throughout the organization. So the NBA has said that they're going to investigate um, the, the situation. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where this goes. One thing that's interesting to me about uh, Robert Sarver is that the current player that's on the Phoenix Suns, who has also has gone through this before, is Chris Paul. Yeah, Paul was on, um, you know, he was on the Clippers when Donald Sterling did his thing. And, uh, you know, Chris Paul was one of the leaders in kind of getting Donald Sterling. Like he said, the players aren't going to stand this. We're boycotting. Uh, I I think they even like uh, didn't go to some practices. And um, the coach at the time was, um, oh boy, Doc Rivers. And he's like, I fully stand behind the players. Like they don't want to play under this guy. Um, But, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but I haven't heard Chris Paul. He's been kind of mum on this so far. Maybe um, he's probably so, waiting for the investigation to. Yeah, he's probably waiting for the investigation. But it, it seems weird because um, Chris Paul, like, I, if if I was in that organization, I'd be like the first person I'd look to is all right. Who is our leader? Who knows? Like, who's been through this before? Is Chris Paul? And Chris Paul, he's, he's the been president. Very he's, no, the he's, president. he's not the NBA president. Anymore. He's not anymore. He was last year. CJ McCollum. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. His term ran out, so he's no longer the president. Yeah. Um, I'm sure LeBron was pretty upset because, you know, Chris Paul and LeBron had their little uh, beef about, um, you know, the playing game, but that's <laughs> another story. Um, but what I was saying is that like, so, you know, if you're, uh, uh, you know, if you're on that team, the first the person I look to is Chris Paul, like, what do I do? And maybe he's, he's gotten it, but like, the team has been quiet. I think Devin Booker said some stuff um, and he's the de facto leader after Chris Paul. Cause when Chris Paul retires, that's going to be Booker's team. Um, but the, the players have been quiet compared to, you know, the Donald Sterling thing. Maybe it's because of the lack of evidence right now. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, like, if Earl Watson said something, why would he lie? And if, if the C, uh, sorry, not the CEO, um, what's his name, Saxon? Um, who is the president of that team? Um, I forget his name. The guy who defended him, right? Yeah, the guy who defended him. What's his name? Um, uh, boy. Anyway, the president, um, he, he obviously can't say much because that's his boss, right? So mm. the boss can fire him. Um, so I think he's a little tongue tied a little out there, but, um, 
it's going to be interesting. Another thing I've noticed is that, so this, this investigation came out and uh, so Sarver was, uh, you know, allegations came out against him. And then another team, the uh, Portland Trailblazers, also their president, Neil Olshay, got, um, you know, hit with some allegations too. So I'm interested, like ESPN's been doing a lot of reporting, I think for the last few months on this, or must be even longer. I'm interested to see what other dominoes fall. Like who else? I have a feeling that this is probably way more common in the NBA and the NFL than we think. I mean, I think that it's just the fact that these guys are just getting caught now, but it's just baffling that someone could be such a successful executive, but then just put these behaviors on display and think it's okay. But it probably does happen a lot more often. I mean, all these, all these owners and execs are, they all, I feel like a lot of them are cut from the same cloth. I, I don't think, I think it's, it's probably very common. Yeah. You know, with like the John, John Gruden situation, like he obviously, you know, said horrible things, but he's always been known as a player's coach. And, you know, like I, I watched, I watched like the, whatever the hard knocks episode. And he seemed like a guy who was for his players and his players really respected him. So, you know, clearly there, there is a, there is a, a line, but like, I'm not saying what he said was right. I, I actually don't know exactly what he said, but it was, you know, John Gruden, it's I mean, inexcusable for some of the stuff that he says. So I think that the locker room culture just has to change in, in general and have people call each other out to keep everyone grounded and, and, you know, say and do the right things um, that, that doesn't hurt other <laughs> groups and, and, you know, is, is tolerated by society. One thing that's interesting. So, uh, and you know, the NBA is a, is a league dominated by the minority. So the majority of players in the NBA are minorities in this country. Uh, they're African-Americans or um, Europeans. Like the average, you know, Joe Schmo living on the farm is not your typical NBA star. Whereas in the NFL, even though, I mean, it is still, a, I think now minorities are still like, it's still kind of a, uh, it started off as a white person sport. And then, you know. Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo from the farm is probably a five-star offensive lineman recruit. Yeah. <laughs> playing for uh like ohio state or something um not alabama because alabama does it right uh but anyway um no what i'm saying is like so when when john gruden says that kind of stuff i think it in the locker room it's still kind of a you know it's already it's all men first of all and second of all i mean a lot of the players are are white still and so maybe they're like all right yeah we kind of think that way maybe or it's okay with us because it doesn't really hurt us personally um, the, the big thing that was a scary moment for me with John Gruden is that Richie Incognito is a absolute oh, yeah. madman, and you know John Gruden brought him back, said he, he can still survive in this locker room. Um, it, it, so John Gruden may, might say the right things and hard knocks and stuff, but I think that he was um, like he, when, when that came out. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, yeah, that made sense to John Gruden. Yeah. But again, it took so long, and it took almost ten years for John Gruden stuff to come out, right? Because that was during when he was an analyst at ESPN. That's like when he started making his emails in the NBA. Like, I feel like because the NBA is a majority minority owned minority sports in sport, um, it's uh, it, it's harder to get away with stuff like that. So, like, it, it baffles me that like these owners are still in that kind of you know rich white person culture. But I mean, the guys that are making the money are the people that you know are are, are yeah. the, yeah. the whereas the NFL, like. 
I mean, a lot of these Hall of Famers are, you know, Snow White, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um, you know, you can still look at that. But it, it, NBA seems like such a weird place to find racism. I, I get that it's there because, you know, the, the wealth in this country is majority towards, you know, white America. But you'd think that like, if, you're, if I'm going to own an NBA team, I, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit more like I appreciate minorities because they're, they're making me so much money, I, you know. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's weird to me that the Donald Sterling's like, I look at Michael Rubin, who's the Philadelphia 76ers coach, uh, not coach. He's the owner. And that guy, you know, he fights for, um, you know, he was part of the black lives matter movement. He was, um, you know, he was, uh, instrumental in getting Meek Mill out of jail. Um, the guy, you know, he, you know, he's an activist and he, you know, he, he wants to empower his players. And then you have people like Robert Sarver, um, that are on the opposite. And it, it blows my mind. How can you own a team? And, you know, have these thoughts against your uh, you know, people are making money, even if you're not like, even if you are racist, even if you are, but th- think about it in financial terms, these are your assets. Like these are your assets that make you money. I don't get it. Support them. Yeah. Support them every way possible. It's yeah. I think like um, for, you know, for, for at the NBA, it's always been, a leader in terms of just being progressive and standing up for the right things and giving the players their voice and their ability to, to stand up for what's right. And, and that's something that the NFL should definitely uh, adopt and, and follow suit with like that. That's one thing that the NBA has always been a stand up organization about. So it's good that they're getting to the bottom of this and, you know, they can really cut out the bad apples. Yep. I, I, I'm glad that the, you know, the NBA is getting to this fast. They're going through it really fast. They're getting to, and I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with Olshay in Portland and what are the repercussions. The other team that's actually, the other league that's pretty good at this is the NHL. The NHL recently had allegations with um, the Chicago Blackhawks organization on, um, you know, assault in the locker room. And they quickly. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it took a while for these allegations to come to light because, I mean, there's some uh, sealed up papers, but once it happened, it became public instantly. Uh, Stan Bowman was gone for the, uh, the GM of the Blackhawks. Um, Joel Quedbo, who was a coach of uh, Florida at the time, gone. Uh, there are a lot of other like executives that just got axed immediately. Whereas in the NBA, I mean, Donald, they're not Donald Sterling, um, John Gruden got taken down. But the real root of that investigation was towards Washington football team. Yep. And it, it's taking a congressional hearing right now to even get like any action because John, uh, not John Gruden, but um, Roger Goodell is saying that there's nothing that happened. It, it, there's no way that, that, that nothing happened. Yeah, I was actually a little confused by that. Why is he now, why is Goodell now saying um, we're not going to release anything to the public on Washington football team? Like, with... And here's my thinking. Here's my reason. I know we're getting into NFL conversation in the NBA, but this is, I think, something that's kind of important. Yeah. Um, Roger Goodell is a pawn for the owners. Mm-hmm. Roger Goodell, I, I mean, there have been a lot of discussions about the owner meetings. I mean, uh, it came out recently that Stan Kroenke, you know, he's kind of trying to screw the league on, um, on help, helping him back like, his bid to move from St. Louis to L.A. Um, so there, there are a lot of things going on with the league. But Roger Goodell is in the pockets of these owners. And so the Snyder family is a very rich family and they're a very profitable owner for that uh, for the NFL. Well, not so much anymore, but they were once uh, a very profitable team. Um Roger Goodell cannot see that family go down. It would be detrimental to his value. It would be detrimental to, you know, the way he wants to run this league. And Roger Goodell is not there for the players. He's there for the owners. Adam Silver, on the other hand, is a player's commissioner. Yes. I don't think he's the best commissioner out of all the commissioners. I honestly think the NHL has it. Uh, but 
Adam Silver is a phenomenal con- commissioner for the Great Lakers. To an extent. I mean, he didn't back, um, who was it? Was it Steph Curry or someone who uh, talked about China? Was it Ines Cantor? Um, no. Um, I don't remember who it was. And Ennis Cantor did say some stuff recently, though. Yeah, Ennis Cantor can't go back to like any part of Asia, any part of his homeland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was it that said something, um, you know, kind of, you know, you don't want to talk about, right? Yeah, I think it, sounds, it sounds familiar, but. It was on the, uh, I think he was the Houston Rockets. Oh, well, Daryl Morey said it Darryl Morey, originally. Daryl Morey, yeah. yeah Daryl yeah. Morey said something about, you know, Taiwan and China, and then Adam Silver really didn't back that. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of other players, like I think Steph Curry may have said some stuff, but. You know, he had to retract it immediately because when it comes to international affairs, Adam Silver still wants to grow the brand more than, you know, care about these issues. But yeah. with that being said, I mean, there's domestic issues first that come here. Uh, and Adam Silver has been a pretty good job. If Colin Kaepernick ever happened, if that issue ever happened in the NBA, Colin Kaepernick would still have a job. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Adam Silver is, uh, is for the players. No, nobody would be throwing a fuss about it, too. I feel like NBA fans are pretty, like, they don't, they don't they're pretty. Well, you got to think about the stat, the, the you know, the demographics of watching NBA versus um, yeah, significantly younger, yeah. significantly younger, significantly more diverse. Diverse, um, yeah. I mean, we're three Indians. And, I mean, yeah, um, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, three Indians and the, the entire community of, in India. Besides, I mean, my favorite sport is soccer, but I mean, your favorite sport is basketball, right? Yep. Uh, and if you go to like, uh, you know, we go to all these events. What is the thing that everyone's playing and in, in the gym and stuff? Yeah, basketball. Basketball. Uh, and then every kid, every kid like that I know, like that went to my high school, listens to Drake and wants to like ball like him. Yeah. And they wear their shooting sleeves and think they're going to be in the NBA. <laughs> um, it, it, because basketball is a sport that where a, a minority can thrive in. Culture. Yeah. Culture. Yeah, and culture. Um, so if you look at that, that's why you realize like, all right, if you look at who's watching, what, what is this product for? You know, it, 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 that leads to action when things like this happen. Yeah. But the NFL doesn't have it figured out. Uh, NHL, I'll defend them, even though it's like a, because a sport from Canada, um, you know, it's a, it's a cold weather sport. It's predominantly white. Cardinal is Canadian, caveating to everyone. He loves Labatt. Hey, man, Labatt, there's only a few places in Chicago. I'm diverse. There's only a few places in Chicago you can find Labatt, and I thrive on just getting those. I remember Neil came to visit, and we, I instantly went to go get Labatt uh, yeah. in the 80s. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So, but like you know, there are teams and there are uh, leagues that have it figured out. The NBA is one of them. Uh, Sarver, Olshay. I'm, I'm interested to what other dominoes will fall. But um, you know, that is um, it, it's good to see the NBA taking action. I want to see what Chris Paul does. That that is something I'm very interested in because Chris Paul is for even though he's not the president, he is the leader of the of the people and the leader of the players in this league. He's the voice of them. More so than I would even say LeBron. I'd say Chris Paul is the guy because he's been there. Yeah. He's done it all. He's seen totally it. Yeah. Anything you guys want to add on? Um... No, I think we'll uh, we'll probably uncover more details as the investigation goes on. So I'm sure we'll hear. Yeah. Um, so um, the next topic is let's talk about who is the powerful conference in the uh, NBA right now. So historically, if we look back in uh, i'll say basketball from the 90s because you know i'm not going to speak for things i wasn't alive for but I, I started watching or i started following basketball in the 90s um so before my time it was the, the detroit pistons were the dominant times the p- dominant team of the mi- early 90s and they were the east 
So in the East, you had the Detroit Pistons, they're bad boys. You had Michael Jordan's Bulls. You had Larry Bird. And you had um, uh, a Sixers team that was pretty good. You had a Celtics. I mean, we talked about the Celtics and Larry Bird already. Uh, you had a few teams. And even the Cavaliers were good. Um, you had Orlando Magic that were building this team with Shaq and uh, Penny Hardaway. Um, so th- there were some dominant teams out in the East. New York Knicks, um, you know, for better or worse, they are kind of there. Um, but you had some dominant teams on the East. Oh, Sixers. I forgot about the Sixers. You had um, Moses Malone, Charles Barkley was there for a while. But dominant teams out in the East. The West had, you know, uh, the show, um, the uh, Magic Johnson show over there in, in the West, the Lakers. Uh, you had Utah. And Utah's always been a strong team. But the power rested in the East. And it kind of showed with the way those uh, playoff games were, the teams that went down, the legends that went down, and then how Michael Jordan kind of carried that East over and over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, Michael Jordan, as soon as he went to the finals, he's always gone to the finals. Um, and, um, you know, he's always been in the finals and he's never lost, never gone to game seven. And uh, he was six and oh. So that just shows the domination of the East. When Michael Jordan leaves the league, and even when Michael Jordan was out temporarily, Houston Rockets took over because Hakeem Olajuwon was there. Uh, the East was having a transitional year with, uh, you know, Larry's out, Celtics are uh, down, the Pistons traded away most of their assets, um, Dennis Rodman went to the West. Um, you know, there were some things that happened that led to, and Michael Jordan left a huge vacuum for the East. And so the Houston Rockets temporarily took over, and the Utah Jazz were there. Um, Charles Barkley was now in Phoenix. So, you know, the, the, the tide shifted a little bit, but then we came right back to the West because Michael Jordan, again, as soon as you have the star player there, you know, every other team in that area that has to play that team four times in, uh, in a year, they stack up and that's where the power shifted back to the East. Michael Jordan leaves again. And then the power shifts to the West all the way up until I'll say recently. For so, a while. Yeah. yeah from 99 all the way up until, I mean, there are some few moments, which I'll, I'll get to uh, where the East looked like they had it back, but from 99, when Tim, Tim Duncan came to the league, Tim Duncan came in, KG came into the league, and they're both on the West. Uh, Kobe Bryant was in, Steve Nash, Dirk Nowitzki, you know, this, this youth force uh, and, and some of the best draft classes of all time. And they came in, you know, they brought a power to the West. And that power led to, you know, the three-peat uh, Lakers. It led to a San Antonio. 2000s was Pistons, LeBron or Wade versus the West. Basically, that's that's where the the power. Yep, that's really exactly. And so for a time, for a time, I'd say 2003, 2004, LeBron was young, Wade was young, but they they still had a good team. The Pistons, I think they single they were holding that East up because you know even six, the East straight, was six straight conference finals. Yeah. yeah, six straight conference finals. They also had, I mean, a team that's a little underrated in history, but is actually pretty good is New Jersey Nets with Jason Kidd, Kerry Kittles, Kenyon Martin. Um, Sorry, not Kenyon Martin. Sorry. No, no, no. Kerry Kittles, uh, Richard Jefferson. Um, yeah, RJ. Oh. Yeah. Vince Carter. I mean, was that team good? It was good. They went to the finals. Yeah. They yeah. went to the finals in 2002. Uh, so 2003. They went to the finals in 2003. They beat the Pistons in the conference finals 4-1. Um, and that team was pretty dominant. I mean, they lost to the San Antonio Spurs, which is arguably the best franchise of the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but again, they had some moments where the East was there, but it was against a, t- against a West that had the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they had, um, oh, and I for- also forgot to mention the East. You had Allen Iverson with no help around him, kind of trying to bring some dominance to, to Philadelphia. Just wasn't there. But the West had 
a Phoenix team that had Steve Nash, a uh, Dallas team that was phenomenal with Dirk, Michael Finley. Um, you know, there's so many players down there. You had a Sacramento Kings team that kind of got robbed in the finals with Chris Weber, Mike Bibby, Pedro Stojakovic, Doug Christie, um, Vlade Divac. And then you had the Lakers, which, I mean, you have Kobe and Shaq. Can't really say anything else. Um, you had um, Denver Nuggets had Mello, uh, and Mello was pretty dominant during that time. But the West just firmly held power. And East had a couple of all-star game victories, but it was the West. It's been the West. And even when LeBron came, teams went to the West or players went to the West to say like, all right, we all have a fighting chance to beat LeBron in the finals, but let's go in the West and like build this competitive league to just knock out the East every time in the finals. And they, for the most part, did that LeBron. He did win. Um, he won a couple of finals, but he lost more. Yeah. And, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. LeBron lost more times than he won in the finals because the West was just a more dominant conference. Transitioning now LeBron's in the West. He's on the Lakers. You have a Lakers team that has superstars, but they're aging. You have the, MV, the reigning MVP in the West. You have Nikola Jokic, but on a team that's mostly injured and really can't, they're not figuring out their footing. You have the, the best young star probably in uh, Luka Doncic on a team that, you know, statistically should lose more games than they win. Um, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's a young uh, rising star. But again, his team, they can never win the playoffs. You have Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, but Klay Thompson's out. You have these teams, but then the, the, the teams themselves cannot win. The players are great. The teams can't win. And you have the East. The East, where you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who showed why he should be the best player in the world in that finals last year. You have this monster in Brooklyn, where you have KD, uh, James Harden, and, you know, when Kyrie actually shows up, maybe Kyrie, plus a star-studded uh, um, lineup of role players you have lamarcus aldridge who's finally figuring out his game you have paul Millsap, who at one time was good you have um you know uh, patty mills who's actually pretty good there yeah. you have this team in uh miami that more not can i'm sure attest to that is a star-studded team young stars you have um you know a future mvp in kate cunningham in that piston scene that's <laughs> that, that, that's bringing up the bottom it shows the bottom's going up you have the philadelphia 76ers that are a great team I mean, they're right now the top in the East. And, you know, if it wasn't for Brooklyn, if it wasn't for um, um, Atlanta, who also has young stars, and if it wasn't for um, Milwaukee, that team could probably win a couple of finals. But you have these, like, these powerful teams that are actually meshing and playing together and, you know, doing pretty well. And even if you look at the offensive rankings right now, the East are the most, like, the majority of top, the majority of play teams in the top 10 are East teams that are the most offensively efficient. Yeah. So it leads me to ask the question. Who is the most powerful conference now? Is it still the West or have the tides turned? I don't know, but I think they're turning. I don't know if they've turned completely. They've turned. I okay. think they've turned. Neil, yeah. the minority here. Tell us why. I think I think talent has been I think I think the talent gap, it, there, it's not it's the gap, it's not really much of a gap. It's much more balanced. But in terms of team play, like I can't, I was looking at the West right now. Like none of these teams. I can't see, you know, out of these teams, anyone being like definitive NBA champions this year. And like the Warriors are the one team that I think, you know, might have, might have that potential just because Clay's not playing and they're cruising, but outside of the Warriors and, and the Suns, like this season, I, I don't see a, a big threat. Whereas the East has teams like the Nets, like the Heat, 
um, Philly, uh, the Bucks, like the Bucks aren't playing well right now, but just these very, um, you know, teams with a lot of depth run by superstar players. Um, and I, I think the balance definitely has shifted and it's, it's exciting because the West has dominated for the last 20 years. I'll also say this. Uh, you mentioned star players. You also have star coaches in the East. I mean, Greg Popovich is still great, and he's leading his three and six Spurs to, you know, statistically win. But on the East, you have coaches like Tom Thibodeau on that New York Knicks team. A New York Knicks team that doesn't have a superstar. I mean, you can say Julius Randle is one, but they don't really have it. Eric Sprolstra, a top three coach in the league. Um, you have, I, I hate to say it, but Doc Rivers is going to be on the Hall of Fame one year. So he's, he's a good coach, for better or worse. Um, you had Brad Stevens at some point. He was, you know, he was all right coach. You had, um, Dwayne Casey, who's, you know, has a struggling team, but he's a coach of the year at one point. Right. Um, what do you have in the West? You have Ty Lue, who's struggling right now. I mean, he's just a player's coach. He doesn't really have any offensive agenda. You have that Lakers, Frank Vogel, who failed in the East. And now he just, you know, hand him a couple superstars and, you know, he'll manage to lead a mediocre team. Uh, and you really don't have much else. Chauncey Bilt's a young coach. Doesn't really know what he's doing yet. Um, the Suns have a good coach. I forgot his name. Monty Williams is a good coach. Yeah, Monty Williams is a good coach. Give him that. Yeah. Neil, well, you were you were saying that you don't think it's shifted yet. What, what what's your viewpoint there? I mean, I I think the East an East team has to win this year for me to be convinced that it's actually shifted already. They only won one last year, the Bucks. But that was that was a defining year. You know, I feel like it was defining. But it might. I mean, was it a fluke? Was it not? We'll see. If it happens one more time, I think it's shifted. Okay, let me ask you this then, Neil. So uh, in 2010, the Miami Heat won this, this championship, right? Mm-hmm. But would you say the East is more powerful than the West that year? No. Why no, not? Wouldn't. Why does the East have to win then this year in order for them to be more dominant? It's, I also think it's hard because the East felt less powerful back then because the Heat were just so good and they steamrolled over everyone in that conference. Okay, look at the conference. Look at the, the playoffs the last couple of years. The last, let's say, since the Toronto Raptors won the uh, the NBA championship, look at what happened. So the Toronto Raptors, let's go with that. Um, it was Toronto versus um, Bucks yeah. in the conference finals. Oh yeah, yeah. crazy game, seven game series. Mm-hmm. Toronto versus um, the Seventy um, Sixers. Yep, phenomenal series. And the Bucks faced, I think, was it the Heat for that year, or no? The Bucks faced. Yeah. Um, who was it? They faced a good team, though. It was a good team that the Bucks faced in the conference semis. Uh, anyway, but that was a, a very competitive division. That's 2019. 2020, Miami Heat, so even, I'm, even it's a COVID year and I call it a fluke, but the Miami Heat somehow, you know, knocked off every team and they were a six seed to make it to the finals. And it was a good year. You had the Bucks still. You had the Sixers still. You had the Boston Celtics that were still good. That's the team that, the, uh, that lost in 2019. Boston Celtics. Kyrie's Boston Celtics. Kyrie Celtics, yeah. yeah. 2020, the Boston Celtics looked great. They knocked off the defending champs in the uh, Toronto Raptors. It was all these ga- all these series were six-game series, whereas the Lakers were just kind of cruising on the other side uh, because there's no one else there. But uh, like, th- And that Bucks team was – sorry, not the Bucks team. The Heat team was battered and bruised. And you saw, like, Jimmy Butler was on his last legs in that final. But it was because that was such a competitive, competitive playoff in the East. Then you go to next uh, last year. And I don't have to say much about last year. I mean, you saw it was one of the most entertaining playoffs, I would say, of all time. <laughs> uh, and at least in, in my living, in terms of uh, what happened in the East. So, I mean, it, three years of just, I would say, the East has dominated in, um, you know, how, they, uh, how their playoffs went. 
Yeah, sure. And how their playoffs went on their side, but the West has still won the majority of them. So yes, I, I think I think it'll eventually turn. Like it's turned- I disagree. The last three years, I mean, Toronto won. Lakers won in the COVID year, and then um, it was uh, the Bucks again in dominating fashion. Yeah, so they've been switching back and forth, but I don't know. I need to see it happen one more time this year for me to actually think it's shifted because who knows the West, the West feels like they are kind of just going through the motions of the regular season, but who knows what will happen in the playoffs, especially with Kawhi back in the Clippers. But that doesn't make a strong conference. If you're just going through the motions of right, you can't say you're a strong conference. If you don't play the game. That's not true. Yeah. You got to play the game to win. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're, they're, they're doing what they need to. And then once the playoffs start, they'll turn it on. And then what happens in the playoffs? LeBron still gets injured. Uh, Anthony Davis still gets injured. Yeah. But I don't know if they, you can, you can like. All this load management, nothing happens. I mean, load management is, it's, uh, you know, that's not, doesn't lead to comp because the way you get better, especially when in this league where everyone just changes teams on the daily or, and you know, you have to build chemistry. You're seeing all these teams that are struggling right now. Who are the teams that are doing well? 76ers. They have chemistry. Um, you know, Miami Heat have chemistry. They just added an extra weapon, but it's pretty much the same team. Um, and these are the teams that are doing well. You got to have chemistry rules over superstar players. Toronto Raptors proved that when, they, when their team chemistry. And, and they like, just playing better basketball, but I just, I, I, I don't think one final, like I don't think the Bucks winning it last year and then seeing them dominate right now in the first three weeks is enough for me to say that it's shifted. All right. Let, let me ask you this. Is your love for LeBron Leading you oh, to make five. I think the Lakers suck. So no. Yeah, I don't view the Lakers <laughs> yeah. as a legitimate threat. No. I, I view I view the Suns, I view I view the Warriors as teams that can make deep playoff runs. And and I think that's the quality of the team is exactly how I'm debating this uh this topic. Who can make a deep run in the playoffs? It's the Warriors, it's the Suns. And really, you know, if I if I look through the list of, of the of the teams in the Western Conference. It's, it's no one else that I personally think is going to make a deep run. If I look at the East, it, it could be the Sixers. It could be Miami. It could be the Nets. It, it, it could be Atlanta. It could be, it could be the Bucks. No, like, I, I think, I think if you're going to put the Sixers on that list then you can put the Nuggets on the list in the West, they're the same team in the playoffs. No, no, I disagree with that. I completely disagree because the Nuggets, they don't have a superstar right now besides Jokic. I mean, they're, they're injured. Oh, Where sorry. I, I, I meant to say jazz. You meant the jazz. jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. Yeah. That's jazz, yeah, you I just listed off. I, li- I just listed off yeah. six teams there from the East that, you know, from just a quality perspective and, and they could make a deep run. I, you know. And there's also a team that you didn't mention, the Chicago Bulls. Well, I don't, I don't know about them, man. Yeah. I, 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 I said they're entertaining, but. Well, I mean, they have the potential right now to be, I, I mean, maybe not. I, I'm not a believer in the Chicago Bulls, but I mean, everyone else is. And another team you didn't mention was uh, your team, New York Knicks. Well, yeah. not your team, but, you know, the team – I mean, that team it went to the playoffs last year. They have some experience. First round exit. Who knows? First round exit, but it was against a team that went to the conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also view the six teams that I listed as pretty experienced teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ones that have made the, the playoff run beforehand so that they can learn and, and grow from their mistakes. Um the Knicks, the Knicks, like I said, it was it was a first round exit. Uh, yeah. All the other six have deep playoff experience now. Like I, I view Trey Young's, you know, leadership to to the conference finals as a very legitimate experience. Mm-hmm. And, and the the talent that I listed off earlier for the Hawks is incredible. So, yeah. I you know I could very I very much see the the East becoming, not I'm not saying for the future, but definitely this year it feels like they're the strongest conference. Uh, yeah, for the future, 
that's yet to be determined. I mean, I'll still, I mean, Luca is going to be the next, if you want to say the face of the NBA, it's going to be Luca. Uh, I, but, but there's, uh, you know, watch out for Cade. I'm still going right. to say that. Um, watch out for that Miami Heat team with Tyler Hero, Duncan. Uh, watch out for, um, you know, Charlotte, Lonzo and, uh, Lonzo and Miles Bridges. Lamelo And Lamello. <laughs> As, 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 as many teams as there are that can make a deep run in the East, I still think the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. Do you think the Warriors are the best team in the NBA? I don't know about the healthy play. No. Yeah. I mean, they're already at the top of the West without Clay. No. Oh, man. I don't think so. Don't think so. Huh? I don't think so either. I think they're it, so I, thin. Their talent is actually very thin. Yeah. It, it's They're winning because Steph Curry is the greatest basketball shooter of all time. Yeah. And people haven't figured out like Jordan Poole is having a year where you know it's it's surprising, but when people figure out, all right, this is what Jordan Poole's about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's only scoring eighteen a game because he's getting more minutes a game. Like it's just a function of more usage. I I still think it's uh, the team that to beat right now is Milwaukee. I think they're injured. I I still think the best and uh, Brooklyn is. uh, Brooklyn. I don't know, man. James Harden, like he's still playing himself back up from injury, but he's not having a good season. but like it's 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 a team that like all right you know they're not operating 100 percent right now you know yeah. it. like it's same thing with milwaukee i can say that like those are two teams that are not operating 100 percent, but you know they have the weapons and once once like the, the those things come back and like, when they come back it's not they're not gonna be load managed they're, they're gonna come back and they're gonna come back like, with force like kevin durant's not gonna take days off like other teams or like Kawhi Leonard would just take days off and not build chemistry that team wants to build chemistry steve nash thrives on chemistry same thing with Milwaukee. When Milwaukee, when those players come back, they're not going to take days off. Giannis doesn't take days off. They're going to come back and they're going to build that chemistry so they can go deep into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly think it's the East and those two teams. And even I'll throw Philly up in there. I know Philly doesn't have that pedigree to make it past into the NBA finals, but they are a team that's probably one of the top three teams in the league right now. It's hard, it's hard for me to put Philly on any playoff list. They always choke, so I don't know. Yeah, but it, it, you in, when you go through them, you go through them, and it's it's it, you know you get tested by pressure. It's yeah. not like an easy. It's not an easy win. No, it, you're gonna go through six, go through seven, and Ben Simmons is gonna screw up and you know give you the, the last game. But <laughs> screw up with that, yeah. It's it's an interesting, and plus you know when Ben Simmons gets traded, and he'll probably go to a team that you know Portland is is looking like that like a team that could take Ben Simmons. If he gets traded, let's see. I, I think he's going to get traded. Okay. I mean, there's way too much. He has to get traded. I mean, the, the scandal's there. We can go on that later. But Ben Simmons' issue is just getting um, – it's getting to be too much. But, yeah, um, all in all, I think we're going to keep on looking at what's going on, who's the more powerful conference. I think that uh, the finals will have an Eastern team win and hold that Larry O'Brien. But we'll see. Yep. All right. All right. Moving on to the last topic. Um, the big men in the league have been playing well over the last few years. And I think it's time to debate the top five current big men in the league. Um, I will say mine in no order. And I know Corner will have some uh, disagreements because, well, let's see. Uh, I think Jokic and Embiid round out the top two. Um, and then I'll throw in. Um, hmm, this is tough. You said think, Jokic and Embiid are the top two. Yeah. Not Giannis. Does he count as a big man? Oh, dude, no, that's no. a weird classification. No, no, he's, a, he's a dominant guy in the post. I would consider him a big man. No, no. no he, he doesn't, yeah. I'm talking about yeah. I'm talking about your traditional 
Like, all right, so ones and twos. Right, so fours and fives. Counting only fours, fours and fives. Fours and fives. Yeah. Fours and fives. I mean, Giannis is technically a four, right? But he doesn't play. Like he doesn't play. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I hate throwing him in there because he's playing horribly right now. But Anthony Davis. Um, I also don't like his Go Go Bears offensive capabilities, but he's a rebound machine and he's a defensive multiple defensive player of the year. I think multiple or maybe once. No, so multiple, multiple. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put him in there, and then I think fifth, I would. I'm inclined to put out of bio in there as well. Dude, you forgot Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, and my honorable mention for six is Carl Anthony Towns. Neil, so list them out again. You had one and two, Joel Embiid. He said in no order, so he had oh, Yeah, yeah, Jokic. sorry. The ones you listed. So Joel Embiid, Embiid um, Nikola Jokic. Um, Anthony Davis, Gobert, and Adebayo. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw some tier two names out there for discussion as well, but I'm gonna throw Valentunas in there. Yeah, he could go in there. Um, Towns for sure. Yeah, we, we said Towns. Yeah. Um, Vucevic, throw him in there. Okay, I'm interested. There's one name that I'm 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 shocked you guys haven't named yet that we haven't named yet. Um, Ooh. You don't like him, Neil, so I know why you didn't label him. But is he a five? He's a five four. He's undersized, but he's he plays the four or five position. Who are you talking about? What team? Draymond Green. Uh, yeah, he's not. He's not a big Draymond man. Draymond Green is is a fantastic big man. He not, not play, but he's he a defensive player, runner up. Assists and rebounds. He's yeah. not. He's not a big man, dude. He he's a defensive specialist. The guy is phenomenal on defense. He he like, he controls the post. He controls the paint. He's a playmaker. I think but... we could have put him on the list like four years ago. Not anymore. I can't. No, I think that's. That I don't classify him as a big man. Like, I think that the list that we have makes sense in terms of like what I what I yeah. classify as like an NBA big man. Okay. You, you play in the you you play the four and five. You get more rebounds and assists. Yeah. Okay. So uh, more not. Let me ask you this. So you you named some like uh, some outliers, but who would be your top five? Not in no particular order. Dude, you got to go with the reigning MVP. Like, Jokic is so yeah. versatile. Love, love what he does for the game of basketball. He's pass. Like, I did say rebounds over assists, but he is a pass first oriented player. And you like, how incredible is it that your point guard can cross the timeline and run the offense through your center, but not in a traditional way where it's just going to the post. And you watch him just back someone down for 10 seconds of the shot clock and see what happens. Like it's beautiful the way that the, the nuggets play and they're, and they're playmaking all that is possible because of Jokic. So with good reason, he is the reigning MVP. He, he could be a triple double machine. His IQ is, you know, it comes from that European uh, background. Um, he's uh, what, 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 what's Jokic? Is he Serbian? Serbian. Yep. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the way that the like Serbian players play the game is, is just very team oriented. It's it's the way that he grew up, and like y- you can easily tell like why his IQ is so high. So I I think Jokic is is definitely number one there. Yeah, I mean he's beating Embiid in every category this season, so he's clearly number one. So you put uh, Jokic at one. You said Embiid. Are you going to put Embiid at two then? Yeah. No, uh, more not. Sorry. Oh. Um, so what, what? Who else do we have? We have Adebayo. We have, um, 
Who else are we mentioned? Anthony Gobert, Davis. Gobert. Anthony Davis. Jonas Valanciunas. Towns. Oh, man. I, uh... Oh, that's tough. Anthony Davis versus Embiid. Embiid is miles ahead of Anthony Davis. <laughs> Again, I mean, no question. If we're not going to put Giannis in there, then you're going to judge it based on the big man standing. And therefore, it has to be Embiid, right? Yeah, I mean... I... I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here, but like Anthony Davis, he's he was he wasn't like he's one defensive player of the year. He he has maybe a better like okay, let's not not taking into account okay, I'm not I don't mean to say it this way, but if if the last 18 months were in a vacuum and we looked at the Anthony Davis the year that they won the championship. Dude, I would have said that Anthony Davis is better than Embiid. No, I, I don't think it would have. Embiid is better. Too. Dude, Embiid, yeah, I mean, like, pure talent-wise, like, Embiid probably has better, has more physical tools, but their three-point percentage, I, I don't know. They both shoot the three-point ball pretty effectively. Well, um, Anthony Davis, he, he sits there and shoots it. He doesn't have a, a post game like Embiid does. Like, he did, used to at one point when he's on the uh, Pelicans, but now he's he's settled and he's... Yeah, he's Embiid's post game is way more threatening than Anthony. Yeah, Embiid's post game yeah. is un- unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to judge by big men, then you got to judge by the post yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm... Yeah, I don't I don't think I'm, I'm convinced that Anthony Davis is better. I thought it was a little bit closer of a debate, but yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I just don't get why Embiid can't win. Like, he... he can't win important games and for whatever reason like there's always a meltdown or like he has a bad shooting night in foul trouble whatever like i i think that can go for any you know any star player when when their teams are deep in the playoffs but mb is just it it doesn't have the same level of experience as as anthony davis well okay i'm gonna i'm gonna fight this one to the death because i uh you know i vehemently disagree with with anthony davis being over a beat and here's why Anthony Davis, before he was with a pair with LeBron and his, you know, the, the massive amount of superstars on that team, he was on the New Orleans Pelicans and the uh, Hornets before that, when they were called the Hornets. And what did he do during those times? He was, I mean, his team, he was good, but his team would never win. And Bede, I mean, I'm going to say Ben Simmons is not an offensive threat at all. No. Ben Simmons is fine, but he, didn't, he doesn't do anything in the offense. And he's not even there some of the times. And Bede still takes his team to the playoffs and takes them deep into the playoffs even with no one else. Like he is the only guy in that team that can really do offense. I mean, you have Tobias Harris, but Tobias Harris is not that. Whereas Anthony Davis, you know, he had players on that team. He had some, a few players. Uh, he had Drew Holiday for a while. Um, you know, he had Chris Paul, I think, at the beginning, right? Or no, was that, did they overlap? Yeah. Uh, and Anthony Davis didn't do anything. Now you put him with LeBron James and the whole game changes. But it's LeBron James. I mean, the guy, he pisses greatness. Um, so before, if you judge them based on their individual merits, I, I think like Anthony Davis, he's not a number one. He's not a, a guy that can carry your team. He need, he needs another superstar to carry him. Yeah. Joel but Embiid Embiid is. is that guy. Yeah. And Joel Embiid, he, you know, he, he will lead teams to victory. He's a leader of that team. He, he will dominate that paint and he will make other people better around him. I mean, the I'm going to work on Korkmaz, uh, Tobias Harris too, of uh, Matthias Heibel. Yeah. Yeah, he, you're right. That's that's a great thing. Like he is like the ecosystem of of that team, and he makes his shooters better. I no, I I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Um, all right. So we so we're we're thinking Embiid's two. How do we? Three, how do you is, a, three is a toss up. I mean, I think you could probably put Anthony Davis at three, but 
I think Gobert deserves some love up there. I'll put him at four. So uh, you're th- uh, you're gonna put eighty at three? Why not? I mean, I guess I, I guess I was advocating for it. Yeah, I, I like Gobert at four. His, his game just hasn't. His game just isn't as big man as like you would have thought it should have been. He does fade away and take jumpers more than he needs to. Yeah, yeah like his, his game. Dominant. His game just isn't as dominated anymore, and like. He 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 has so many athletic tools and like his his talent. He just oozes with talent. But I don't know. I, I he his game just doesn't scream big man to me anymore. I don't know if that's like a question of his durability or his effort. Um, but you know, I I think for now he can he can still be in third because he is an NBA champion. But Gobert is definitely so impressive. Like mm-hmm. one guy, just one dude, just changes the entire defense of, of an entire team. It's like their identity. It changes your offensive game plan. It changes like what plays you can run. He, he, I, I, I haven't seen like that dynamic of a, of a defensive player in, in a while. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that. Um, I, and then your five, fifth one. Fifth, uh, between, between cat and, uh, well, yeah, out of bio. There's out of bio. There's bounce shooting. There's Damon, Draymond Green. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's I think it's out of bio right now. I, mm-hmm. Like I, I value the versatility of being a playmaker. Um, and you know, I yeah, I think I think it's I think it is out of bio. Okay, all right. Valanciunas is a one Valanciunas and Cat are all one dimensional players. Cat is just an offensive like juggernaut. He's he's just an he doesn't play defense, but Cat is a really good offensive weapon. Interesting. I mean, and Valentine's is your traditional. I'll set the bruising, you know, yeah. bruising picks. I'll roll to the basket. I'll put Valanciunas in. Valentine's also shoots. Uh, um, what's it called fifty percent from the three point line, though. Oh come on! But he, he probably <laughs> takes. He's probably one for two every yeah. game. Meanwhile, Carl, Carl Anthony Towns, I think, is the highest three point shooting percentage out of any big man. Yeah, but Carl Anthony Towns doesn't play defense, and that's a huge. Yeah. You have to play defense in order to, you know, be considered a big man all right i'm gonna give you my rankings quickly um and you know when i when i look at a big man i'm not looking at the best player overall i'm looking at purely can you rebound can you um you know play defense well and are you a post presence and th- this these are my um you know what i use as my metrics for um how i judge my big man number one i think we can all agree is uh nikola jokic nikola jokic the guy can do it all five tool player um from the from the post he and he he made the post fun to watch again. Yep. So I put Jokic on one. I put Embiid at two. I think the one and two, I think we can both minus Mornak, who has no, 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 I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. Is I'm on board. I talked you know, myself out of it. Yeah. I'll put number three at Gobert. I, I think Gobert is like defense wins championships to go, even though he hasn't, but Gobert is something and he sets picks. He'll actually get involved in facilitating for other players. Whereas other players like Anthony Davis, um, he doesn't like he wants to have the ball. He's ball dominant. Uh, Gobert does a lot without having the ball, and you know his. If you look at the defensive side, he's just it's way miles beyond anyone else. Mm-hmm. Number four, I'm putting Jonas Valanciunas for post presence. I love what Valanciunas has to offer. I love the fact that he's a defensive presence there. He, he can work on his defensive game a little bit, um, but I, I love what he has to offer there. And, you know, he, he, he can make you think about it from the three-point line. He's not very good, but, you know, he makes you think. Uh, and I love that. So I, I, I'm going to put him up there. 
And number five is, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised I'm not putting Draymond Green. I'm not putting Bannon out of bio and I'm not putting uh, Anthony Davis. I'm putting DeAndre at five. There you go. That's a great, yeah. That's I was just going to say that there, there's a few names here that I think we, we definitely looked over. Um, DeAndre Aiden probably being the most prominent one. Yep. But uh, I would also put, I would put Brooke Lopez, like, you know, in consideration. He's versatile. I'd put, I'd put. Uh, um, Clint Capella is also a rebounding Clint, Clint Capella. Uh, Jared Allen and Miles Turner. Miles yeah. Turner. Actually. Jared, Jared Allen. Allen yeah. Jared Allen. Christian Wood. Christian Wood. Eh, he plays the, he plays outside a little too much for my liking. I don't yeah. like um, how much he plays outside there. Um, yeah. I, I would actually put, there's a player that he doesn't, he's not like a traditional, he's not an offensive threat at all, really. But he's a very, like, if you want to think about a big man and just doing everything right, and that's how you don't, but like, you know, you just need to fill a spot. Steven Adams. Steven Adams fills a spot and he's a solid rebounder. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's yeah. a solid setting pick. He will facilitate in terms of setting picks. And he, like, Absolutely. I would love to have Steven Adams on my team as a five and kind of build around that. Um, I love Steven Adams. Another player who's not going to be, he's not top five right now, he's probably top 20 maybe, but he's going to be in the top five before the end of his career is um, Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart does it right, man. I mean, the way he put, he's so good interior in the, in the post. Was, was he the one that was towering over Blake Griffin? Yeah, yeah. That's, that was awesome. Yeah, Isaiah Stewart got in a little scrum with his ex-teammate, Blake Griffin. Oh, nice. Did, didn't he just – didn't he have, like, a crossover or something this week? Uh, Yeah, yeah. He crossed yeah. – um, Was it KD? Yeah, it was KD. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think like, I didn't I didn't realize he was a center. Yeah, he's a center. He's he's like Ben – he's pretty much the second coming of Ben Wallace. Uh, doesn't really have <laughs> a three-point He Huh? Is he undersized? Undersized, 6'8". Oh, like, wow. Um, six eight, big wide frame though. He can rock. He can grab a rebound. He eats rebounds. I mean, if you watch the way he grabs rebounds, he's aggressively searching for rebounds. He doesn't yeah. do what Anthony Davis does and just like lets it come to him. He goes. <laughs> he does so much shade at Anthony <laughs> Davis. Wow. Uh, no, nah, I, I, I think Anthony Davis is a big. He had the potential, but I think he's he not love yeah. the three point game way too much. Yeah, and yeah. I don't like the way. He, I don't like how he is a team player. He, I don't think he is. Uh, I think he wants the ball a little too much. He will not set picks like he should. He doesn't mm-hmm. set it at the right time. I think LeBron expected him to be a lot more of a post presence, which he he's not doing. He's yeah. trying to stay in the perimeter. And yeah. it makes LeBron – because now LeBron has to, like, find other players. And if you look at it, LeBron and AD, you know, they're all right. But LeBron working with other big men is a lot better. Yeah. Um, I, I think Chris Bosh is the model big man for LeBron because Chris Bosh would stay in there stay in the post. But if you needed to, you know, if LeBron wants to be in the post, he can cook out, but he set picks. Chris Bosch was very fine being the third man on that team. Whereas Anthony Davis, I, I don't see it. I, I think he, he, he'll, because it's LeBron, he won't say much, but he wants that ball. Weird name to throw out there, but Tristan Thompson worked great for LeBron. Yeah. Tristan Thompson. Tristan, Tristan Thompson got a multi-million career because yeah. of LeBron. Yeah. LeBron yeah. got him paid yeah. and got him a Kardashian. And Mozgov. Mozgov got paid because of LeBron too. Yeah. Ma's got a huge disappointment. Yeah. Huge disappointment. <laughs> but a couple other names that we didn't mention. Uh, John Collins. Um, yeah. 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 Good. Al Horford. Although not so much anymore. $27.5 million million. Dollar man. Uh, Wendell yeah. Carter Jr. An interesting name out of Orlando. Yeah. You know, he was pretty good. Uh, Rashawn Holmes from Sacramento. I mean, Sacramento is doing really well right now. Rashawn like Holmes. He is good. 
I like him on 2K. He's too. good. Yeah, he got he got paid this year. Um, but yeah, Rashawn Holmes is something to watch out for. And um, yeah, Montrez Harrell is uh, you know, he's making a name for some make for making a name for himself in Washington. But you know, there are a lot of big men out there. But in terms of how you're supposed to play the game, and at least in the traditional sense, it's got to be it's got to be Jokic. It's got to be Embiid. I think it's got to be Gobert and the other two. Um, you know, depending on how you want to play the game. Uh, I would put, you know, something. I'd, I'd say the takeaway is that, you know, watching big men now is more, you know, it, so much more exciting given that they shoot the ball, they can be versatile. It's, it's a very, it's a very transformative process that's been going on in the league for like the last five years, but it's really exciting and it makes the competition to determine who is the best big man a lot tougher for us too. Yep. It's also something like we, we covered this in the last uh, podcast, but we talked about, um, you know, if the hand check is the NBA getting more physical, if the hand check should come back and all these rules. But the era of big men was once in the mid 2000s, early 2000s with like Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, and these post monsters and behemoths. Chris Weber, we can put him in that group. Yeah. Uh, it's coming back. And I'm very excited for that. It's going to reduce that score. It's going to bring for defensive basketball. And, Nobody uh, needs to be scoring 150 points a game anyway. Who? Nobody needs to be scoring 150 points a game anyway. I like the fact that, you know, the Pistons are holding teams to like under 100. Yeah. I'm yeah. loving the fact that, you know, defensive basketball is coming back. And it's, uh, it's something that we've missed quite a bit. I think, uh, you know, with, with all these like these youth players are like, you see Jalen Green who wants to be an offensive threat. And it's not, it's not building to a good repertoire for how you're supposed to play in AAU, how you're supposed to play and develop yeah. your game in order to become a star in the NBA. So I'm glad the big men are, you know, putting on a show for us. Yep, I agree. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, a lot of things to look out for uh, in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we'll see how um, the the Phoenix Sun story comes out. We'll see what happens in uh, Portland. We'll see what dominoes will fall. Um, you know, we'll look at who is the most dominant conference. I mean, I think we'll – me and Moynak will prove to Neil that the Easter is not a more dominant conference. And we'll look out for this big men. We'll see who's, um, you know, who are going to be the big men stars of the, the current generation and also the next generation, you know. Alfred and Sangoon, I keep on saying that name. I've said it in the last couple of uh, podcasts, but that's the name to watch out for in terms of big men. So, um, and Isaiah Stewart, Beef Stew. Uh, we'll see how these big men perform. But that's our show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week for another round of Harvard Group Chat. And uh, follow us on Twitter if you haven't done it yet. Uh, we're now on Apple Podcasts. And uh, continue listening to us on Spotify. Please subscribe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.